This podcast is sponsored by tenofthose.com. Tenofthose.com handpicked the best Christian books that point to Jesus and sell them at discounted prices. The more you buy, the cheaper they get. If you've ever said to a friend, I'm praying, then check out Nancy Guthrie's brilliant new book, I Am Praying For You. The book will help you pray through the issues others are facing in a biblical way. Check it out at tenofthose.com. Welcome to Tea Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Sarah and I live in the UK and this is my sister Felicity and she lives in the US. Hello everyone. How are you Sarah? All okay? I am well thank you. I've got a hot squash in my mug today which uh, for the American listeners is basically hot juice. Apple and mango flavour, very tasty. The best. It always goes down well with any visitors in our house. Really? Apple and mango? Mm. That would not be in my top three. Oh, it <laughs> definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have a giant bottle of Ribena upstairs um, and I have been introducing it to every American that walks through the house, pretty much having to explain the squash aspect. Mm, and, yeah. you know, they're not as pleased with it as I would like. Is Ribena, no. you know, is it just a nostalgia thing? Is it a bit like the Jammy Dodger? That you kind of no, think. No, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good, isn't it? I don't really remember us having it very much at home when we I feel like it I was a treat. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think we were allowed it. I think it had too much sugar in it. Yeah. And I do see that actually as I give it to the board. I do I do see the you know, you can see it quite quickly. <laughs> now last last time you were saying your friend was uh, having a go at making British biscuits. How far has she got on her endeavours? Uh, well, I know that there is, there is some, there are some in the pipeline, but I have yet to yet to receive any more. So I'm just running with the classic uh, malted milk to go with my classic Yorkshire Grace nice. in my yeah. cup. I think it'd be quite hard to make a malted milk. To be fair, to get that cow shape or imprinted <laughs> on the biscuit is that's a big that's a big ask. I know without it. Yeah. Anyway, there are various aspects of that, which are hard. We were, so we were talking, weren't we Sarah, about how um, it can feel like you can't sit down and chat Bible unless you have the perfect scenario as in Mm. quiet, calm, enough time. And we're thinking maybe we should burst that bubble. Can you help us? Let's burst the bubble because this is fairly unusual for us to have time like this where we don't have interruptions Mm. this is carefully crafted um (laughs) so that our children don't burst in on us Um, but actually most of life it does not look like this um and I think that's just a helpful thing to point out isn't it that actually as busy mums um or just as people who have a number of things going on in life um getting the bible open with someone isn't it's never going to be easy to do and mm-hmm. you always, uh, um, I've read it somewhere a couple of years ago, you always have to get creative if you're going to prioritise getting the Bible open, whether for yourself or with other people too. And I think lockdown for us in the UK has ta- really taught us that over the last year. Like, actually, I can't sit down with a cup of tea and read the Bible. So like, I've got to just, we've got to do it on our walks. We've got to know our Bibles better to be able to, you know, metaphorically yeah. open it up on our walks or um I remember when I yeah when our youngest was a baby and I was reading with a student and every time I thought great she's going to come around at nap time and it's going to be perfect we're going to have a really good time in the word and every time he would not sleep and so I was juggling like my baby <laughs> yeah. at the same time as trying to write read the bible with her and I was just like oh this is awful this is going so badly but you know what she left the end of that year and her her like main comment to me was thanks for just sharing life with me and I was yeah. just like oh that's what it's about 
And I think that's that's really helpful, isn't it? Because as we're opening up the Bible in the midst of our normal, cluttered, like disrupted lives, that is the word in action. <laughs> Literally, yeah. the things that we're talking about actually then relate to the, the potential chaos that is going on around us. So I think yeah. that's right. And not being too bothered about if you've got children kind of running around or, you know, if if it fits and it's okay, it's okay to put on a, a TV show for 20 minutes for your both sets of kids while you get a chance to feed your souls in the word. And I think kind of, as you say, being creative and not being too precious about you need absolute silence and we need the study Bible out and we need this, that and the other, but actually. And it's helpful for our children to see that we prioritize doing this with our friends, isn't it? We like, Mm. this is actually a really good thing to open the word with other people and for them to see that and to say, do you know what? We're going to chat for 10 minutes right now. You guys go and play for 10 minutes and then, you know, Yeah. Well, you'll have our attention or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Anyway, as we talk about that, let's get into um, quite a tough part of James. I mean, I know that most of James has felt <laughs> tough, but um, this is this is a hard hitting passage um, in a different kind of way today, I think. So, uh, Felicity, would you like to read it for us? Absolutely. So we're reading chapter four, verse 13. Now, I think it's maybe worth saying before we read, there's a bit of a shift in tone, isn't there? James he doesn't use brothers and sisters. He's talking about a different crowd of people. He's describing different people outside of the church family at this stage, just before everyone gets a bit anxious as to whether they're in this picture. Yeah. So verse 13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Wow. Yeah, it's big language isn't it so the reason we know it's not written to brothers and sisters at this point is well partly because it doesn't say brothers and sisters and he normally starts every new section with a brothers and sisters doesn't he Mm -hmm. um you see the two repeated now listen now listen and it's directed to a general you in verse 13 and then you rich people in verse one of chapter five so he's although he's writing to his brothers and sisters he's writing about unbelievers to warn the brothers and sisters. Yes, that's yes. really helpful, Sarah. Really clear. Yes, absolutely. And and as we read it then, as believers, we are paying heed to the warning. Mm-hmm. And as ever, with our double-mindedness, we might just see kind of inclinations in ourselves here, but mm-hmm. that does not mean that we are in this category because he is talking about judgment a fair bit here, isn't he? So let's remember yes. the grace of the first half of chapter four that is lifting us up even as we see our double-mindedness may be evidenced here yeah so how does he kick us off then in this i think there's two different groups of people on there so 13 through to 17 describes 
these what he calls people with arrogant schemes. So it seems that there's a kind of arrogance of like, well, I'm in charge and I'm going to decide what happens. It's totally in my hands as to whether we go to that city, spend a year here, carry on business, make money. Like my life is my life and I'm going to decide what happens with it. And no one has any say in that apart from me. And James like burst that bubble pretty quickly. Why mm. do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? Like that's true, isn't it? We don't, we have no idea what will happen tomorrow. Like here in Illinois weather, I don't even know whether I should be wearing you know, a coat tomorrow <laughs> or a t-shirt. <laughs> but even something as simple as that. But then he says, what is your life? You are a mist. <laughs> that's pretty humbling, isn't it? Mm. You are a mist. Yeah, and he's taking that straight from a proverb actually now as we as I'm continuing on in my proverbs in the mornings. Like I read that a couple of days ago and I was like, ha, this is um it's kind of Ecclesiastes language, but also proverbs as well. And what struck me is that the what is your life, you are a miss, is kind of sandwiched in the middle of what he's saying they're up to, the kind of pride of what they're up to, um, and just kind of carrying on in their business, um, you know, dictating their ways, how they think the world should run, mm. what they think will happen. Um the what is your life you are a mist is sandwiched between that and then his kind of um, analysis of that and saying actually you're just boasting in your arrogant schemes that it's mm. full of puffed up pride and actually as he says all such boasting is evil so it's I think it's just really striking that uh, it really stands out that kind of sentence what is your life you are a mist mm. that yeah that's it that's the verdict yeah attitude isn't it yeah the stark reality of this is actually the reality whatever you think however you're behaving that actually has no bearing on the fact that you are a mist and the the temporary nature of that isn't it pride is I feel like a big part of pride is trying to create a legacy or trying to be more than we are or kind of lift ourselves up and actually as we see the temporary mist likeness of a human (laughs) then that, that the pride has no impact on that we can't change how long we live for and I guess this follows straight on then in what we've just been seeing about humble yourselves before the Lord like what what else could possibly humble you than realizing that you're you're like a shadow you're like a breath like you you know we're nothing before Mm. the Lord like this this is the essence of humility isn't it and yet he's saying he's kind of describing these unbelievers who are doing exactly the opposite um And linking on with what you were saying about the humility that we saw last week and the friendship with the world being the big warning from last week. And I think here we do see a kind of outplaying of what it is to be of the world, this mindset and this way of thinking. This kind of explains the world around us, doesn't it? I feel like I see that with my unbelieving friends quite a lot. The, The perspective is the big difference as to whether you're acknowledging God to be in charge or not. So while this is a warning, I think it's also really helpful just to help me understand, oh, of course, that is, actually, if you're not not going to acknowledge God, then this is how you would think. You do think you're boss, that you're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And the heart of it is the arrogant scheme, isn't it? So I don't think it's, I think this, again, is as ever, James is like going straight to the heart, isn't it? Because it's not just saying, right, if I tag on, if the Lord wills it to my plans, then actually I'm fine or covered on this. Actually, if the heart of my plans are arrogant schemes that deny the Lord's existence and deny his sovereign will over my life, that's, that's a problem. And that's where I'm more friends with the world than I am with Jesus at this point. 
So I think that's where we need to kind of see the warning for our own hearts and to kind of go, whoa, am I being double-minded in this? Yes. And I think that's really helpful to, it's not just about saying if it is the Lord's will, but actually what is it like, am I actually really believing and trusting that this is, this is in the Lord's hands? And so does my prayer life reflect that? Does my kind of what I do before I make decisions, how I talk about what I'm doing, those kind of things. I think the functionality yeah. of what it is to to not think like this. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's really helpful. So then we get on to this next part of the letter, which um, approaches the rich people. And it's interesting because back in chapter two, we had um, the brothers and sisters were kind of um, showing favour to the rich people weren't they it seems mm. there's a connection between those they were kind of elevating showing favor to and now actually we're really seeing the extent of who these people are and it's it's terrifying actually it's shocking isn't it and I remember it, it was shocking when we we're reading the favoritism passage that these people are the people who are persecuting the church people within yeah. the church and yet they're the people that they're seeking to show favor to and here we get more insight into what they're like and it is the very fact that they're called the rich people and I think the, the heart of what they're about is dependency on their riches on the perishable gold and silver and it, and he's really the description is really kind of severe isn't it the corroded gold and silver and then that corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire there's kind of mm. the idea that you would think that this is going to save you that this is going to sort you out you just need to get rich and that's all you need and as we put on the heavenly perspective as we lose double-mindedness and look at this wisely with the the god mindset then actually it doesn't make any sense at all because that's not that's not what lifts you up as we've seen in chapter four it's god who lifts you up well, I think it's what they do with the wealth, isn't it? So actually, I don't think the wealth itself is mm. the crux of the issue. I think the crime is they're hoarding it. So in verse three, they've hoarded it in the last days and um, the extravagance of it and the injustice. So the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty mm. and they're fattening themselves. They're living on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. And yet, um, yeah, it's saying you've condemned and murdered the innocent. So that they're trampling on the vulnerable in order to puff themselves up and to get what they want for their lives um, without any regard for the people who are being trampled on in the process. Mm. Isn't that a beautiful thing that the, the Lord Almighty does hear the cries of those yeah. who are being trampled on? We see that throughout the Bible, don't we? But I love that reminder that he is a compassionate, listening God. It reminds me of Exodus, you know, when he's... Uh, the, uh, in slaves in Egypt and they're crying out and God does hear and you think that's mm. true all the way through to now and this phrase the Lord Almighty like this is a very specific in the ESV version I think it's Lord of hosts isn't it and um, like it's a very specific description of the Lord as the one who wages war to defend the defenseless like it's you know he has got their back even though it doesn't look like it right now in the end justice will be done um, and yeah that's that's good news it's really good yeah. news um but it's shocking nonetheless to see this going on and I guess again the warning for us is don't even think about going in this direction like to the brothers and sisters there these are the ones you're favoring don't go in that direction see see what a nightmare they're causing and what mm. judgment for them will look like but also for the yeah so the, and then for the believers 
don't think about it don't go and there it, and it's a it's a it's a I agree absolutely like don't go there but then also just examine what we're involved in in society you were talking about this earlier a little bit that that idea that maybe we are part of taking advantage mm-hmm. of people and um, exploiting people without even realizing it as to I don't know what clothes we buy or how our food is produced or yeah mm-hmm. all sorts of ways it's, it's quite sobering isn't it that this is how seriously God takes that and so the just to be involved in justice rather than injustice we want to and that that matches with um 4 17 to 18 that the picture of jesus who was the the, the for the justice he was mm-hmm. for the weak for those who are opposed yeah and it matches back to what in chapter one when he says true religion is this that you um look after orphans and widows in their distress keep oneself from being polluted by the world like he is fleshing out what it looks like to have true living faith by referring to unbelievers and what's going on there, but also in warning our hearts in the process. Yeah, yeah. It sort of shines the spotlight back on our own hearts, doesn't it? I love that about yeah. James, though, that because I think we're uh, by nature, I'm quite wordy. Like I, I kind of like read things and work it out, and you know, as you well know, Sarah. But that <laughs> that kind of um, uh, the wordiness that actually is very active. Like this is it hits the road in reality, doesn't it? So we can't just secrete ourselves away into a kind of Bible reading. We're just all about the Bible. Actually, you read the Bible and you do listen to it. And to be wise, to not be double-minded is to to listen to what James is saying here. And actually in action, like when we had Sam on, when he was talking about the embodied faith, I think that is yeah. really pertinent here. Well, it's, yeah, and it's back to chapter one again, isn't it? Like, don't just be here is the word be doers like yeah. actually action what you're hearing isn't it and yeah, yeah. We, we, I love that we're just seeing he's got so many pithy phrases isn't he and we're just like seeing them all the way through kind of fleshed mm. out um, and challenge you know they continue to challenge our hearts in it and yeah as ever it's it's good for us to to hear it and to act on it um yeah. will you pray for us Felicity that we would be those who don't just hear it mm, absolutely Father, we praise you that you are a God of compassion, that you're a God of justice, that you're a God who um, doesn't let these things go. And so, Father, we pray that we would be those who really do look to you, acknowledge you. Please forgive us for any arrogant schemes we have or any injustices we're involved in. And, and Father, we pray that as we um, hear your word, would we be very much doers of it? Please help us to be wise in the way that we live guard us against double-mindedness and as we heed this warning please would we run towards jesus above all else amen amen oh it's quite sobering isn't it this passage i feel like it's like it's quite weighty i mean i have no idea weighty aren't they (laughs) yeah it is it is good um yeah so i mean if the lord wills it we'll meet next time for another (laughs) another podcast episode well this has been good see you soon all right bye everyone thanks for listening thanks for listening to this episode it's sponsored by tenofthose.com check them out for great discounted resources that point to jesus